this week on More Than Just a Trophy Wife. It's so wow. Like when you look back at stuff, like how God uses things, you know, and it all comes full circle. Like there's a reason why that was where I turned. It all came full circle. And there was a reason why, because then like that's where my passion grew. And I didn't even know it. I didn't even know it. I didn't even know my purpose was in that space. Hey, it's Isabella Levy, business mentor, speaker, and the host of More Than Just a Trophy Wife, a podcast where we talk all things reality, riches, and relationships. Let's get to it. Before tuning in to today's episode, it's important for you to know that it comes with a trigger warning. Please be aware that myself and the podcast guests speak about her experiences with miscarriages, which I am, of course, aware is a highly sensitive topic. Hey beautiful and welcome back to More Than Just a Trophy Wife. So in this episode, I am joined by Kirsten Ferguson, who is a mum, wife to former NFL player and a huge fitness instructor who I've just got to say is like an absolute inspiration. So if you need some of that today, we've got you covered. Kirsten, welcome to the show. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me. It's truly an honor. Thank you. You are an honor. That is who, uh, that is who's an honor. I, something that's really stood out to me the first time I spoke to you was just this like strong and independent woman kind of vibe. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I'm really curious to where that originally came from. Yeah, for sure. I mean, 100% it's my mom. You know, um, I was raised by her. Um, my dad was never really around around but not with us um and i just remember her always seeing her working hard i never wanted for anything um she always made uh me a priority but then she was also super ambitious and um she was the the head nurse at a correctional facility in the mental health unit. So she, where I watched her work her way up um, in a real male dominated field um, and really just owned it. And I just remember seeing her wear powerful business suits every day and um, always just um, being extremely confident in who she was and, um, what she believed in and always just provided for me and made sure I was a priority and taken care of. And so all my, like that strong independent woman comes from her. And even when, um, I met my husband, she made it very clear to me, do not lose yourself in him. He is not you know, your identity, you know, uh, make sure you always have your own. Um, you know, even when we were dating, she was like, you will not move in with him. You need to make sure you have your own space. Um, and so she always just kind of instilled that in me. And I, and I think that was also kind of one of the challenges within our marriage, um, because I was just so independent, you know, so, you know, when you're like that, sometimes it's hard to be, you know, the, the submissive wife, you know, but you know, you make it work. <laughs> yeah. Like but mother, like daughter. It, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and it's in all things, you know, I see her, um, in me so much. Um, and I want to be that for my girls too. I want them to see, um, a strong woman that can hold her own and provide for mm -hmm. her own and, um, really have her own goals and ambitions, um, 
alongside with whomever she's with. Mm, I love that. And I would love to dive into um, the the struggles and the challenges that mm-hmm. independent women in relationships do face um, further on in the episode too. Um, but yeah. first of all, what I think would be really good to dive into is that you had a career working in the NFL. And then, of course, you moved into a relationship with someone who played in the NFL. Um, so first of all, share with us how you landed the job and then how you met the man of your dreams. You know, it was crazy because I moved to New York City to be in fashion. I went to Fashion Institute of Technology. I just wanted to be a buyer. I thought it just sounded fantastic. I'm going to buy it, be a shop for a living. It just sounded fabulous. Live in New York City, like all the sex in the city vibes. And I went to FIT and I did some internships and I hated the fashion industry. I wanted no parts of it. Um, but I always loved um, sports. And so I was like, all right, well, maybe it's either fashion or sports. And then Somehow, um, I had, was just graduating and I knew somebody that had worked at the NFL. Um, and she was like, well, I'll just let you go in for an interview. It's, you know, you don't know what they have. I don't even know if there's a job for you, but you can just go meet with the HR lady. I was like, okay. So I went in for the interview and, you know, we hit it off. And she's like, well, I don't have anything for you in PR because that was what I wanted to get into at the time. But she's like, I have an assistant position for you in sponsorship. I had no idea what sponsorship meant. No clue. I was like, oh, yeah, absolutely. I'll totally do it. She's like, all right, let me go check the manage- with the managers and see if they can interview you. So she goes, I'm literally Googling what is sponsorship. <laughs> can we just pause? Can we just pause? That is what gets people from A to B, diving in without a clue of what to do. I 100% fake it till you make it, girl. Like, you got to like, own it. Like, absolutely. I went in there and slayed the interview, like, killed them with my personality. Because, I mean, that's all, like, a lot of what sponsorship is. It's, um, you know, getting to know your clients and building relationships and talking to people. And that's who I am. I love, I'm a people person. I'm a total extrovert. I love, like, just having conversations and, um, you know, and so that's what I just went in that interview and I just sold it. And, um, you know, seven years later, I worked my way up to being a manager. I went from a temp assistant to being a manager, you know, managing multi-million dollar accounts. Um, I did the, worked on the Beyonce Super Bowl. Um, so it was, it was incredible. I loved every bit of it. It was challenging. We traveled the world. Um, And, you know, it was awesome. And, you know, especially being um, a woman and a woman of color in the office that you don't really see a lot of that, at least not when I first started. Um, So that's when a lot of the independent women came out in that office, too. You know, I had to hold my own. Yeah, huge accomplishment. And I like you just see it from um, the the way people do things as well, that Mm -hmm. like you can see who's going to make it and be a success yeah. Uh, yeah. because they take initiative and they just move forward and they figure it out along the way. And yeah. I don't think anyone fully knows what they're doing until they're actually doing it. You know, I studied Absolutely. for years and years and years, but it didn't come into practice until I actually started um, practicing. Absolutely. So I love Absolutely. that. And I just double love that you worked on um, the Beyonce Super Bowl. I mean, so wait. what I find, uh, what I find 
super cute actually, um, is that you guys weren't really allowed to have relationships um, whilst working in the NFL. But of course, like independent woman type of vibe, she just like goes off and does her own thing. So how did you then um, get into the relationship with your husband? Well, it wasn't that like, because I didn't work for the team. I think if I worked for the team or if I worked in a department that dealt with player contracts or if I worked in a department where um, or like player development or any of those sort of things, that's where there would be a major conflict. Um, Even in the department I was in, there wasn't really a conflict. I think for me, it was more like I don't want people to know because I don't want people to think that I started working at the NFL to bag this football player and it's like this stupid unwritten rule somebody it's it's crazy but like oh she's a woman she's working at the nfl she just wants to like obviously that's, what women and, like, do. that's all women want to do you know oh she's pretty she just wants to get a ball play and that was not the case i loved my career and i didn't want anybody to know um that we were dating so we kept it quiet for a long time mm-hmm. um and because again, like I was really working on getting the respect from people in the office because it is such a male dominated space. And um, I never wanted it to be about that. I wanted it to be about what I was bringing to the table, um, how I was doing my job, how I was building the relationships. Um, how I was, you know, bringing in uh, sponsorship dollars. Like I didn't want it to be about, oh, she's just here to be a, a football player, and you know, she'll be gone in a couple of years once you know they get married. She doesn't need to work here anymore, you know. Um. So, but eventually, you can only keep stuff a secret for so long. <laughs> um. And we were out at a a party. ESPN magazine had a party. And a photographer took our picture. And if you ever seen ESPN the magazine, it's like a big magazine. And so they did this whole like draft weekend spread. And like you open the magazine and there's a full page picture of me and him. I'm in the dress. I still like, like all like boot up. And I'm like, oh my God. And I came into the office and I was trying, I was trying everything. I was like, okay, how can I get all the ESPN magazines out of like our mail room so that they will never see it. But by the time I came into the office that next day, I sat down at my desk and the picture was posted on my computer with a post-it note. So you're keeping secrets, question mark, question mark. And I was like, oh my God, I'm going to get fired. What is this going to be? And, but you know, everything works out the way it's supposed to. And it was fine, but it was, I was terrified. I right. was telling him like, "Now you have to marry me." Sorry, like my career's on There's the no line. other. There's no other way to do this <laughs> than for us to just do the thing. He was um, and you definitely know, trapped at that point. <laughs> obviously, because you trapped him. Um, and what I find really um, interesting there is, of course, even when you're in it, you still feel like. Am I going to be judged even though I am my own person and I've got this career and I've got this amazing personality, if I do say so. Um, and you've got you've got your own, you clearly hold your own. And then like straight away, there's also this like, even like subconscious thought of, and then a, people are going to think less of me. And I actually think that is, um, that's hard for the players as well. You know, like for 
women to like strong women that have got their own thing going on um, that, you know, may not give players a chance because they're then scared if, you know, that identity is going to be taken from them. So I would love to move into that. Like what were some of the challenges that you faced that you were sharing that um, kind of arose when you got into the relationship? You know, it was, um, it was a balance. Um, you know, because then the conversations immediately switched to everything about him, you know, and less about, you know, what it was. So a lot of times I would use it as, as an opener for conversation, you know, Mm -hmm. delve into, um, you know, relationships with my clients and, you know, talk about that and let them feel like they're getting the inside scoop, you know, you know, so I would use it to my advantage, honestly, um, Mm -hmm. where I was able to just really build better relationships with people. Um, but then it was also like, man, I don't want to talk about this man anymore. I want to talk about me and, and, uh, what we're building here. I want to talk about our deliverables. Like let's, stop talking about him like he's not you know all that is me you know and as much as you try to fight it you know it starts to become your identity um and especially when we weren't married it was kind of like all right I don't even know if this is going to really work out you know so let's not talk about it you know Mm. Um, so it was it was is an interesting balance, and then you have you know the traveling and the games, and you know I'm working, he's working, I'm on the field, and he's there, and it's an interesting dynamic too um, when you kind of throw all that into the mix. But what I love is like you still made it work. Yeah. Yeah. You like don't have this these excuses just like popping up left, right and center and they could easily be there. Like if you just shared, you know, that it, it yeah. can easily keep someone back from doing what um, they desire to do because there is so much go, there's so much going on. And I can really see that shine through you um, that it doesn't matter what's going on around you. Like you have, you have certain control um, over yeah. things in your life. But then of course there's things that you don't have control of, um, but planners like us, um, when we are planning for something and then when we want to, um, do certain things and we want to start the the family, et cetera, then like plans just don't fall into place. And I think what would be amazing for my listeners, um, to, to hear about is those plans that didn't fall into place for you and your husband. Mm -hmm. For sure. Um, so we had, um been married for probably two and a half three years um and and I was coming up on my seventh year at the NFL and um you know there was just so much travel going on and all the things but we wanted to start a family um and I was just like man I don't see us being able to do all this and me still be working and you know I knew that the NFL I was my time at the NFL was coming to an end when I really had the honest conversation with myself. Like, I don't want my boss's job. So once you get to that point, you don't like, what else do I want? I don't want her job. There's no room for growth. There's no room for growth. This is not like what I see myself doing long-term, 
Um, and so once I had that realization, I was able to say, okay, maybe this is the time to, to step away and do something different. Um, and that's when I was like, okay, let's start a family. Let's, uh, you know, the football world is so crazy because these women are getting married and having babies so young. I was like 27 when we got married. It's like ancient in football years. Um, but we're going to change that, right? Like, don't say it too loud because like Kenji's somewhere around here. They're going to change it. We have to change it. But I felt like, man, we are behind. Like people have like four kids by the time they hit 27. I'm like, did y'all live? Did you travel? Did you, like, I just, I didn't understand it. But anyway, so by then I was like, all right, we have to, we have to get this thing going. And, um, and I just felt like it was the next step, you know, um, in life. And so, uh, we, we started trying and, um, it didn't happen as, as quick as, I thought it was going to happen. I just thought like, okay, you know, we're going to, we want to have babies and you just do the thing and it happens. And obviously it, it, it didn't happen like that. <laughs> oh, poor guy. I was stressing him out. I was like, we have to have sex every day. She's like, yo, Three I, times have, a day. I have to have, I have to play football. It was like training camp. I'm driving up to camp. Like, I'm ovulating. <laughs> Let me know when your break is. You know, oh, he's yeah. like, you lost your mind. You are a psycho. I don't know who I married. Um, but we got pregnant and somehow, away. and, um, you know, we were super excited. It was Mother's Day weekend. And I had it all planned out in my head. I was like, we're going to take the ultrasound picture. We're going to put it in the Mother's Day card and everything. Like, fully planning out everything. I'm already picking out names. I was barely six weeks pregnant. Um, and uh, we went in for ultrasound um, that day. Uh, it was like Friday before the Mother's Day weekend. And, you know, I'm chit-chatting with the girls, like not thinking anything could go wrong, right? You're just like, it's just the next step. Like you're just kind of flowing. And um, they did the ultrasound and there was... There was no heartbeat. There was no baby. I was actually already uh, miscarrying when I was in there. Um, and when they said it, I was, I felt like I got hit by a dump truck. I was like, wait, what? Like, what do, what do, you, what do you mean? I'm sorry, come again. Um, and that was devastating. Um, and it, it, it hit me like a ton of bricks. I was, you know, when you're just so excited and happy about something that you felt like you've been trying for for a while and um, it comes to pass and then it, it's ripped away from you so instantly. It was devastating. Um, so <clears throat> later that night, I went home and uh, my doctor had given me a pill to kind of speed up things and um, had a really painful, painful, painful miscarriage that night. Um and I just remember like the baby passing in the toilet and Brick having to pick me. Like it was very, it looked like a murder scene. It was, it was bad. Um, and Brick having to pick me up off the toilet and flushing it. Like, don't you look down that toilet. That's not where our babies is. You know, our babies in heaven. And it was just, it was really tough uh, mm-hmm. and painful, both emotionally and physically. Yeah. Um, Can't even begin to imagine. It was, um, it was awful because instantly yeah. 
But the moment you find out you're pregnant, right, you feel life inside of you somehow. Like you can feel your body changing and you're just like, like this, this is amazing. Like there's life growing inside of me instantly. Somehow like a woman just knows I'm pregnant. Um, and so for that to just stop and be gone and then, you know, I it definitely felt like I was in labor, but the end of it, you don't get the baby. You oh. get emptiness you get the empty feeling you get feeling of failure you get the feeling of not being enough um and it's hard so it was a lot of emotions and then physically my body went through a lot through that miscarriage um i developed an abnormal blood vessel on my uterus which was causing massive blood clot bleeds um out of nowhere one time i was a jury duty getting up to go into the jury room and all of a sudden just, it felt like blood from the top of my head all the way through my body just came out. Like, and I mean, embarrassing. They wanted to call the ambulance and I just ran out. I just ran out. I was like, I'm done. Like I have to go. Um, and so it was really hard and they couldn't figure out what was going on with my body because it's a very rare condition that happened. It took months for them to figure out what was going on. Um, and then once they finally did, I had a procedure done on my uterus. Um, and then after that, you have to wait a certain number of months before you can start trying again. Um, and so through that time, though, was a time where me and Debrickashaw really needed to go through. Um, you know, we were really facing, I was still very much mourning the loss of the baby. Um, he was still dealing with, do I want to be a father? Am I ready? Um, and so we were having to really have honest conversations within our marriage. Um, and we started counseling and, um, you know, I think we both were just really working through a lot of stuff. Um, so I think we had to do some work within us in that time. Um, and then, so we got through that by the grace of God. Um, and we were able to try again. And so we did, and we got pregnant instantly. And it was like, man, this is going to be our testimony. This is it. We went through so much. We went through so much pain. We worked through our, like our marriage issues, you know, dealing with the mourning of a loss. Like this is going to be our story. Um, and look how faithful God is. And, and it was all the things. And we went in for the ultrasound and heard the heartbeat. And it was beautiful. Like the most beautiful sound you will ever hear is that, you know, and um, it was just uh, incredible. And so then I felt like, okay, this is, this is going to happen. Still very much, ner- very nervous. But like, once we heard the heartbeat, I felt like, okay. This is happening. Like there is a baby inside of me. Like I can do this. And um, we were planning a trip to Israel, and my doctor was like, "Let's just um, get one ultrasound before you get on the plane." I was like, "Cool, done." He was running late coming from practice. I was like, "You know, whatever." Like again, just feeling like, "All right, well, this is good. We're already moving forward. Like it's fine." And we went in for I went in for the ultrasound uh, without him and. The doctor did start doing the thing, and the baby was just lying at the bottom of the sack, no heartbeat. And that crushed me. That absolutely crushed me. 
Um, because not only like after all that we went through, but then to see the life, to see the heartbeat, to see, to instantly feel connected to that baby. And then a couple weeks later to not, um, it was, it was devastating. It was devastating. Um, and I just remember being so angry with God. And I remember being so angry with the Brickishaw for not being there. And I just remember um, just feeling like God was punishing me for something that I did. Or um, I just couldn't understand the why in that. I, I just see it, you know? Thank you so much for sharing all of that, by the way, and just being so vulnerable. Like I know that it'll definitely help like at least one person that's listening to this. And I know that that's what it's, what it's about. Um, and you know, just from what you said about like, you feel like God's punishing you, like when you've got no strength, like left, like emotionally, physically, like that's the only thing you go for. Like you go for the spiritual strength. And then I couldn't just, I just couldn't imagine like feeling like you didn't have that at that point. Um, but I know that of course you do have a relationship with God now. So what was really that transition period like for you then? I remember just being so angry with God. I was so mad and I felt like, man, you know, I think, and I, you know, it, I really accepted Christ once I met the Brickashaw and we started going to church together. And, and so I'm still very much a, a, a new Christian, I guess, but I remember being like, you know, I feel, I feel you got, and but why is this happening? Like you are, you, you're supposed to be faithful. Why are you, why, why, why would you do this? Why would you do this to us? I felt like we did it the right way. We're married. We gave it time. We're working on our, we went through all of this. Like, why are you doing this to us? And I just remember being so broken. Um, and just really questioning my faith, questioning God. And then we were in church on Mother's Day, which is awful. Um, oh my God, I, I couldn't think of anything worse. Like, uh, when I tell you awful, because then the pastor goes, you know, for all the moms in the room, I want you to stand up. And he gives every mom a rose, every mom a rose, everybody. And to have to stay seated after like this is supposed to be the space where you can heal and be and it just felt like god was just like throwing it in my face and i just remember breaking down breaking down like boo-hoo and crying um and then this one out of nowhere came up to me in church i've never seen her before in my life and she tapped me on the shoulder and she said i i don't i know you don't know me and this may sound crazy but I was sitting here and God told me to tell you that he has not forgotten you. Oh, hallelujah. And that shook me to my core. I, it I still makes me teary eyed oh it shook me to my core because in that moment, that was the exact words I needed to hear. Like I needed to hear that right there, you know? And, um, mm -hmm. that is what renewed my faith, you know, because it was like, who else? But God could have said that in that moment, you know, who else but God could have been like, I know I'm hurting there with you. Like, I'm not doing this to you so that you can be in pain. I'm, I'm sitting and I'm mourning and I'm crying and, wow. you know, and so I needed that. I needed that. And that's where 
my faith got a little, what got strengthened again, you know, and was like, okay, you're with me, God. I know that you are, and I know I'm going to be a mother. I don't know how or what, but I trust and believe in you. And I know you're faithful. And I know there is a reason and a purpose for me walking through this right now. And I'm going to hold on to that. And I did. And, you know, we got through the second miscarriage and got pregnant again. And I was absolutely terrified, but through the grace of God, Eden Grace Ferguson is here. Uh, She's beautiful. She is a light. Um, And so, you know, that really became like just all like my everything, you know, and that's where my faith got grew. It really did. I felt like God had to bring me through the struggle and the storm to really, you know, know who's in control. I think a lot of times we feel like we're in control. Like we got this. Oh my gosh, like, yes. I, I can take care of this. And I think God had to be like, no, wait a minute. Like, I know you, you're independent. You're the, I got all the things. I, I hear you, girl, but let's not forget who's ultimately in control. I am the, I am. I have the control. I have the power. And you need to realize that. Right. Like, Otherwise oh, he can't create, he can't create with no space. Right. Absolutely. Um, so I had to go through all that and I'm grateful for going through all that. And I'm, I'm because it, when I'm faced with trials now, I know how to respond to it. And to respond in uh, from a space of thanksgiving and um, grace and 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 just knowing and believe in faith, knowing that there's a reason for it. Like let's just flow with it because I know on the opposite end of this, it will all make sense. Right. Oh, the you know? trust that you have have to have had in that process and. Yeah. I know that you said you didn't feel like you had anything left, but you must have had that internal strength to even try for the third time because, you know, people right. would resist even doing that um, because they wouldn't know what the outcome is going to be and how could they go through all that again. And, mm-hmm. you know, you you did it and and you yeah. take you took, took the action and you made it work. And now, you know, you um, are blessed with children. And I just see that as such a beautiful um, story to share. Um, because there are so many women that that go through um, miscarriages and it just doesn't get spoken about. Like I didn't know the extent of it, um, even until like maybe like a year ago when I knew someone that actually went through it. Um, yeah. And I think that if it's spoken about before, um, you know, women actually go through it, they understand well that actually is a, a likelihood, um, sorry, there is a chance um, and there is, you know, a percentage likelihood because that's true. Like there is thing that there is things out there. Um, so yeah. thank you so much for, for sharing that. I really do. Uh, I really do appreciate okay. sharing it with the listeners. So is this how you then got onto your fitness journey or was that through something different? It was, you know, I, I started working out um, more uh, when I was going through all of that, um, I I found and fell in love with um, this class called Soul Cycle, um, where you kind of go in and you ride to the beat of the music in a dark room, um, and you could just be, and you could listen to music, and it was a way because at that time I just felt so much pressure, and it's like I couldn't look anywhere without being reminded of 
babies. It was like, I couldn't go on Facebook. I couldn't go on Instagram. I couldn't be around my friends or the, the football wives because they all have babies. It's kids. Like, can we not talk about that? Can we not talk about, and it would infuriate me to no end because they would complain. And I'm like, when you know you're in that moment where you want something so bad, and this is this is why I'm always having to remind myself when I want to complain about things, bring yourself back to that moment where you wanted it so bad, right? Like where you wanted that thing so bad. Like remember that because I would sit at that table and I hear them complain, and I'm like, man, I would love to have a baby waking up in the middle of the night keeping me up all night. I would love to be able to hold a baby like, and and be able to nurse them all night. And like, you know, so it would just be things that, that every mom complains about because it is hard. But I just remember being like, oh, you don't understand how bad I want that. You know, and so it was it was it was hard. And so bring it back to the fitness stuff. Um, it, it was just a space where I can turn out all that. Like I didn't have to see babies. I didn't have to talk about babies. I could go in a room and I could work out and they can get my endorphins up and I could feel good about myself and let go of the stress, let go of the burdens I was going dealing with in, in my life at that time. And it just became my outlet. And um, the more and more I would do it, the better I felt. Um, and I just became really good at it. And I, it's it, it's so wild. Like when you look back at stuff, like how God uses things, you know, and it all comes full circle. Like there's a reason why that was where I turned. Yeah, I that's started. so true. Because why, like, it all came full circle, and there was a reason why. Because then, like, that's where my passion grew, and I didn't even know it. I didn't even know it. I didn't even know my purpose was in that space where it was my place of healing. Like I didn't know my purpose was in there, you know, but God works everything for the greater good. Like it all comes together. Now, before we move further into this episode, I wanted to share with you that the doors for my brand new program, the Trophy Life Academy are now open. I know exciting times. This is a six months coaching and mentoring program for women with successful partners who are ready to prioritize themselves and their own entrepreneurial goals. The Trophy Life Academy is going to support you in successfully stepping into your power, scaling your business to 10K months and taking your relationships to new heights. I mean, who doesn't want that? You're going to be receiving high-level coaching and mentoring from me, myself, and I, lifetime access to a membership suite, which is full of all things that you're going to need to get yourself to where you want to be. It is split into three departments, reality, riches, and relationships. As well as all of this good stuff, you're going to have access to a private community where you'll be able to ask your further questions and gain feedback from myself and the team in between your coaching calls. Now, inside of this community, you're also going to be able to connect with other incredible trophy lifers from around the world. So we got to make sure that inside this program, there are only women that are fully going for it. In order to learn more about the Trophy Life Academy and to see if it is for you, I invite you to book in a call with me at www.isabellalevy.com forward slash talk. From there, we're going to be able to get you booked in with a call and see if the program is a perfect fit for you.
I see that within your your brand and yourself that you know you're not just an average uh, fitness instructor like you bring in not just this, like motivation and inspirational vibe but like you bring in this sense of spirituality um mm-hmm. and you can really feel it yeah and you you know you can you know when you feel and you know when you don't and every time you show up I really I really feel and I see that in you um and there's things that you reference like you know during your um classes which like now I really understand where they come from as well and then that's like a breakthrough for me because I'm just like wow like the strength that you have to to move through and to go through and I hear you completely in terms of the the internal healing fitness was definitely my outlet um Mm -hmm. I remember suffering so bad with anxiety that I just felt like you know my heart was just going to bomb out of my chest mm-hmm. um and fitness was the way that I could like go back and get a get a heart rate and get it to the mm-hmm. place where I wanted it to be and something that again you know control freak over here but something that I wanted to be in yep. in control of you know how how fast my blooming heart was um right. what was racing so now you have got the children you're a mm-hmm. wife and now you're the fitness instructor and I know that people, you know, make excuses to even getting up to work out. So I love my listeners being able to like kind of walk away with some actionable steps. And I just mm-hmm. wanted to know from your point of view, how do you not let like the excuses override you? Because we all have them. And like, how do you really set this time aside for yourself to continue to not just work out, but actually continue to to work as well whilst managing everything else? Is there certain things that you put in place? Yes, I do. Um, and I think I had conversations with my husband and, and I said, listen, in order for me to be a good spouse, in order for me to be a good mother, in order for me to be able to function like a human being, I have to take this time for me every day. It's a non-negotiable. So whether it is we need to hire a nanny, whether it is we need you need to adjust your schedule, whether it is whatever it is, this time has to be for me. And I think we as women, you have to do that. Because ultimately, a lot of times we start to give so much of ourselves to other things, other people, our kids, you're getting pulled in a million directions. There's a million things that need to get done throughout the day. But if you do not fill your tank on daily, you will burn out. You will start to harbor resentment. You will start to feel depleted. And so for me, that space is fitness and it is working out. And it is a non-negotiable every day, every day. Um, And it's very easy to come up with reasons why you can't, but you can figure it out. Especially nowadays, they have so many options online. You could have no equipment. You could have equipment. You could have the bike with the screen. You could have the treadmill with the screen. Like There are so many ways that you can stay active, even if it's running outside. There are so many ways that you can find that space and time. Um, I set my daughters up with their iPads or their Barbies, and I put my trainer on my phone, and I am working out. And that is 
my time. And I think we can always make excuses, but if you commit to yourself and you commit to the process, stick with it. You have to. And, And for me, I've just noticed that in order for me to be all the things that I'm needed and required to be for my family, I need support into me. And yep. I think a lot of women feel like that is may be selfish or that may be like, how dare you put yourself above that? But it, it, it is, it, you have to take that time. And, you know, other people, it may be, you know, getting in the word or doing whatever it is for you. I think it, you just have to commit to it and um, really make that time for yourself. Because yeah, because women expect other people for it. Yeah, like women expect other people to commit to them and to set things up for for them and to make time for them. But if you've not committed to yourself, if you've not, you know, set that boundary for yourself, then you can't expect anyone else to 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 not, never mind do it for you, for to want to do it for you because they have to understand, especially a man, right? They have to um, understand and be explained what the woman's desire is, um, right. and of course that may mean some re-rule writing and that's okay like that's what life is about um but you know for women to set boundaries for themselves i think that's just a perfect living example of you've got it all going on um but you set your boundaries and you do things in order to make sure that you know people are taken care of but it doesn't need to be by you um all the time because you've also got to take care of yourself and with the fitness journey, you know, everyone um, that starts the journey, they can go through like peaks and spikes, right? Like you'll start, you'll fall off. And I've seen, you know, at the very start of the year, I committed to myself that, okay, I was going to be the healthiest version whilst I was going to be my wealthiest version. And that was my thing for this year. So I needed to make sure that at the start, like one of my goals for the day was working out. Then it became like a side goal. It was still a goal, but it just became more natural to me. And then there became a certain time where, you know, it's just a habit that I don't even think about it. I just do. I don't know if you've experienced that yourself, but like, what is that shift that people actually do to create that habit? And how can people stay, um, you know, stay so committed to it in order to actually get over that? It is a shift. I there is a crazy shift and that and that there is I'm, I'm gonna totally butcher it now but there is like a process into which how long you can stay with something before it becomes a, like a habit like where it becomes a part of your life like it's this is not just you know um what you feel like you have to do or whatever you want this goal no this is a way of life for me um this is I say it all the time in my classes, so much more than a bike. It's it's um it's it's more for my mental space. It's more for building me up on the inside versus the outside. I love the external benefits of it, but it's the work that's going on on the inside. And I think, you know, now once I've committed to it, and I think it's one important to find who's keeping you accountable. Um, who's your accountability team? Who are you? I have an amazing group of friends at the gym that if I don't show up, they're texting me or, or they're texting me. I got your spot. Or um, if I'm in class and I'm slacking, they're like, girl, pick it up. Or if I stop, girl, don't stop. Who are your accountability partners? I met with my, some of my closest friends in the gym. 
my best friend is my trainer. And, you know, so who, who is keeping you accountable? Because as much as you feel like you can do it, all the things on your own, no, no. Even in your spiritual walk, who is keeping you accountable? Who is the friend that's like, girl, have you opened that Bible? Have you have you spoken with God lately? Because I see your stories on Instagram and girl, you may be shifting left. You know, so it's just like who's keeping you accountable? And so I know I'm crazy. I'm sorry. Um, who's keeping you accountable? And then what what is your why? Like what what why did you start? Is it just to have a summer body? It has to be more than that. It, in order for there to be a change and for it to become a habit, you have to want more for you. Um, and it's it has to be more than just that. Yes, the benefits externally are amazing, but there has to be more. Um, and even from like a health benefit perspective, even given all the things that we're going through right now in this pandemic, people that are healthy and active and have a good diet are winning this thing beating this thing. I had COVID-19 in March and I promise you it because I had was I have a healthy lifestyle because I have asthma but I like I because I'm so active I was able to recover so much faster than people that I know that that weren't um you know they were in the hospital like on breathing machines like and so it's, it's, it's a lifestyle choice. It's what do you want for yourself long-term? You know, I want my girls to see me healthy. I want my girls to see me active. I want them to want to be active too. Um, there's just so many benefits that come with it. That's so much more than the external. Um, and I want that for, for everybody. So like, I think it's all that kind of combined that keeps me, motivated and and I work out six days a week. I don't work out on Sundays. And by Sunday night, my body I I I crave it. My body wants it. You know? And so, but it takes time to get there. You have to put in the work, you know, just as in anything, you know, mm-hmm. you need to make it a lifestyle. You need to find something that you truly enjoy doing. Um if you don't enjoy doing burpees and hit, that may not be the workout for you. But maybe you like it swimming or maybe you like yoga or maybe you have to find what it is for you that you would do regardless. Yeah. So like accountability, whether if that is, you know, a friend, a family member, someone even at the gym or, you know, a PT. Um, I love mine. Someone that's going to check you. Yep. find your why um, yep. and also find your thing, like find what you really right. love to love to do. Last mm-hmm. question for you. Um, yes, if you could give one piece of advice for all the other partners of players in, in the, in the athlete world, what would it be? Ooh, I got a laundry list. Um, no, I would say, um, one of the biggest things that I struggled with was, um, fighting against his identity becoming mine. And, but the more you fight against that, like the more I think it becomes who you eventually are. Um, and you know, if I could go back to myself, you know, while we were playing, it would be to really focus on, um, 
what is it that you want for you? Um, and don't lose sight of that, you know, and hold on to that. And you, you are his wife, but that doesn't mean that's all who you are. Um, and, you know, be open to how this platform can lift and your purpose and your, um, identity, you know, what is it that you can use? Cause there's a reason why God brought you into this and to give you this platform. How are you going to use it to elevate what you want? And don't look at it as being something that's holding you back, but how can you use it to elevate you and elevate yes. what it is that you want for you? Not just you, the wife, not just you, the mom, not like you, you, you have a purpose. You have an identity. You have a calling on your life. Um, and what is that? And, and use that um, for you, you know? Yeah, and take action on it as well because there's people that know that. Um, but, you know, you've got to take action on it. So, Kirsten, thank you so much for being here. It's been an absolute honor to interview you. Where can my podcast fam find more of you? You can find me on Instagram, kferg822. I have live workouts going on, um, Zoom workouts going on. So while we're still stuck in the house, catch your girl there. Um, I also am a fitness instructor here in New Jersey. So if all these people, anybody wants to come check out a class, DM me. I will love to have you as a guest. Hopefully, girl, you get over here to the U.S. on the East Coast. I feel like I'm going to have to make a tour. Or I'm going to have to come over there, whatever. Arrangements arrangements are going to be made. As soon as I can get on a plane again, trust me, like I'm going to be going on a world tour and people aren't going to have to know what's happening. (laughs) I cannot wait. Thank you again for everyone listening. Thank you so much for continuing to just stay engaged for all of your incredible feedback. What would mean the absolute world to me if you could rate and review this podcast because that helps me continue to do my thing on here and for me to be able to continue to inspire to motivate and encourage you to go after your desires. Until next time, bye for now.